Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I feel no need to kiss the ring. I have no fear of Trump's retribution. I'm not I'm not looking for anything from him. We're going to find him through local police. Look, the local police, they're so phenomenal. I love them. They love me. I think I have 97 percent support. They know everything. They know the first names. They know everything. And it's a new it's a new category. I don't know if you've heard this, but I came up with this one. Migrant crime. There's crime. There's violent crime. There's migrant crime. We have a new category of crime. It's called migrant crime. Are you ready? What is it that he invented? Migrant crime? By the way, I don't think he actually invented migrant crime. I think he invented, maybe he used to, he coined the phrase, as they call it, coining the phrase. Do you still, can you still coin these days? I'm curious. I know we have people who may be uh, invested in the, uh, in the uh, arts of uh, metals. Do they still coin things? And uh, what would you want to coin? If you were going to coin a particular image, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on what you would put on, an, on a coin. If you had the power to coin... To make a coin, to coin. What about bronzing? Do they bronze bronzing? Bronzing. That they do that at the beach. That's at the beach. They usually put that stuff all over your body. Oh and, no, that's different. But bronzing like shoes. Like, oh, like baby shoes, like yeah, when they bronze baby the baby shoes. shoes. Yeah. Maybe that could be. You know what? You may have run into something there, my friend. That's very possible. That's very possible. We will. Uh, we will endeavor to try to uh, figure that out. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. Coach Matt Doherty will be joining us in the second hour. We may have a little drama uh, in studio uh, when, when, when Coach Matt Doherty comes into the uh, studio. Because what he does is he comes in and he makes proclamations. Uh, I wonder, you know what, I would be, I'd be excited about having a Matt Doherty coin. Like, I, would, I think I would want a, a Doherty coin. I think that might be kind of like shooting or dabbing or whatever it is that he would do, you know, I think. You know, yeah, you could do it'd be really good. I I think that would be a really cool thing. Uh, There's a lot of people that I would want to if I could coin people. There's a couple people I would coin for sure. And and not run of the mill. Like, I'll tell you who I would coin immediately. Dale Earnhardt. I'd coin him immediately like that. That is an American hero, by the way. Who else would I? I uh, let's see. Who's the greatest American singer of all time? No, I don't. I know. I don't think. No, no, TJ. I don't think it's Jerry Lee Lewis. I, I would think maybe Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, but he's still alive. I would maybe. I I think you'd go Elvis. I think. I think your first set of the coins would be Elvis and Dale Earnhardt, and maybe Hank Williams. They'll go right next to the commemorative plates. Maybe Hank Williams Senior. Oh yeah, of course not. Or Bob Wills. Well, yeah, yeah that, the two two good ones. Yeah. And then, and then now you got to find somebody. You got to find somebody with from the soul uh, tradition. Well, Otis Redding. Could, Otis Redding would be good. O- Otis Redding would be good because James Brown. The end just wasn't. Pretty. It would. The thing about Otis Redding is it would be it would be fitting to have him coined 
on the dock of the bay. I mean, I think that's where you would put him. Watching the tides go away. That checks out, yeah. I mean, I, that's, I think that's where you would, I think that's somebody you would coin. You know, oh, oh, I am going to take this call from Mike, by the way. Mike, right out of the box. I'm thinking I'm going to take the call right out of the box here because Mike, Mike is raising an issue that is very important and is uh, disturbing to me in the extreme. Uh, Mike, let's let's jump to you right out of the box. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. What's on your mind, sir? Well, a person murders somebody in Kansas City at a. uh a uh, parade for the Chiefs, and yes. now the family is got a GoFundMe page for that for the murderer's trauma. Yeah, y- yes, it. yeah, that did happen. Y- yes, they put up a. Uh, they, now they only raised twenty bucks because I, I, I looked it up. They only raised twenty dollars, but they uh, they did put up a GoFundMe page because I guess this individual didn't just shoot people. I, I think he got shot a number of times as well. And so as a consequence, uh, they, they put up the, you know, they put up the, the, the GoFundMe. And it was, did you, did you see how they described why he was needing the money? They said that he was involved in some trauma, that there was yes, some tra- tra- trauma in his life, which, I mean, that, that's, that's about as colloquial as I can get there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, you, yes, I'm sure he had some trauma uh, being shot after shooting at people. And yeah. And uh, th- this is killing a, somebody. A ter- so we were t- just one bullet short on him, I guess. This is a terrible uh, story. This is an awful story, and I cannot believe how quickly it's gone down the memory hole of, of cable news. It just has disappeared completely. It represents everything that the left typically will lecture us on, but they don't want to talk about it anymore. I, I, Bill Maher didn't want to talk about it with Ann Coulter. They 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 don't want to talk about this, and, and this is awful. These are the world champions oh. at a parade. Getting shot at. Yep. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one. You're not. Like I saw it. For taking the call. Great, great call, Mike. I mean, that's a very important point right there. That's a very they, they the one of the shooters got shot a number of times, was taken to the hospital, and then the family put up a, a GoFundMe page to because of the trauma he suffered as a result of the gunfight that he basically started with the other guy. These two guys are involved. So, of course, I would donate. You're going to donate money to a company. Wait till you hear this clip I have later in the program. I could not believe it. I had to look at this thing about 15 times. There's an MSNBC uh, gathering uh, in a pool hall, basically. They, 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 this, the setting is a pool hall, and it is uh, Al Sharpton and a couple of other folks who are standing around talking about crime and they're talking about how you could fix crime and their answer. Like I, I thought, I thought for real, it was like the onion. The answer was shocking uh, to me. We'll play some sound from that uh, as well. It, it is, uh, it, it is great stuff uh, all the way around. We're going to be talking about a, a number of different stories and uh, the coach Matt Doherty is going to be joining us. Let me uh, wrap it up in this first segment with this though. Uh, Ken, welcome to the program, Ken. How are you today? I'm well. Thanks for calling. Good. Uh, did you ever figure out what that thing was that was flying around the airport the other day, that UFO? I got to tell you, no. Uh, we, we, I, I searched and searched and searched, and I got to tell you, I, I, don't, I don't know what it was. Nobody has come forward to uh, claim it or to point it out or any of that sort of stuff. So I think it is it possible 
Ken, that it never happened? Say it again. Is it possible it just never happened? Could be. I, I, so it wasn't true that Elvis was flying it then. No, it was not. Elvis was not flying that. Elvis, by the way, Elvis would have a much larger vehicle to be flying around in. I mean, you know, of abs, abs, absolutely. The Memphis Mafia alone, you've got to have a much larger uh, aircraft flying over Charlotte. Uh, it would just be something. Just because I want to get my facts straight. So <laughs> you good. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. East of the Rockies. Seven. O four five seven zero one 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 zero. News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. It is the Brett Whitable Show. Good to be with you. Really want to play this sound. TJ, you have my sound. Do you have my MSNBC sound that I that I that I scraped off the uh, thing? Now, this is a real. This is really something. So this is a a gathering of people, uh, civil rights activists, uh, lawyers, uh, hosts on MSNBC, and they came up with a way where you could actually um, end crime. You could end crime entirely by doing this. We can get rid of all the crime in America overnight, just like that. And people ask how Attorney Crump changed the definition of crime. Mm. Of course, if, if you get to define what conduct is going to be made criminal, you can predict who the criminal is going to be. I mean, it sounds and, like we're criminal, though. Yeah, our existence no, is the culture, criminal. They made the, the laws. They made the law to criminalize our culture, to fit us. black culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so when I think of Eric Garner, I always think of stuff like that. Loose his cigarettes. I did nothing. We sitting here the whole time. Mind our business. What are you doing? Who about you do what? Who does sell cigarettes to? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Gary lost his life. Yeah. And then George Floyd was trying to buy cigarettes and so forth. So you have to think about the profiling things that they come up with the profilers for pretextual reasons. And it happens every day, y'all. They will come and say, you can't wear baggy pants. Right. Mm-hmm. Make that a crime. Right. You yep. can't have milk cartons in your yard. Right. Make that a crime. Right. Well, see, but historically speaking, that may have been the case, but now the police don't do anything anymore. They've been they've been told to be defunded and they've been defunded. Uh, they, they don't make arrests anymore. Uh, you're seeing the police being beaten up uh, in, in twice in the last 10 days in, in New York City, once at the migrant shelter and and once on the streets of New York City. Uh, you're not. I mean, and, and the people who are the victims are are the ones who are suffering the most. Eric Garner, absolutely horrible. George Floyd shouldn't have lost his life. And you know what happened? The people responsible for that were prosecuted as a result of that. But what about all the people that don't get prosecuted ever because you have district attorneys who think that it's more important to try to put Donald Trump in jail uh, while while renting many cabins with their paramour uh, as opposed to actually trying to secure the streets? Uh, look, at, look at what's going on in Fulton County. Look at what's going on in Atlanta. Look at what's happening there. You've got massive uh, epidemics of squatting, people seizing homes and just taking them that don't belong to them. That's a crime. That's a crime. I mean, it just may not be may not be prosecuted at this stage of the game. That's a crime. And so, you know, we're in this uh, situation where, sure, we could just redefine everything as not, not being a crime anymore. We could get rid of murder. 
I mean, look, you had Gavin Newsom, you had Ralph Northam, uh, you had um, uh, Andrew Cuomo. They all believed and have espoused a belief in post-birth abortion, where you actually have the child and you can still kill it after a number of days. So, so, I mean, it has this. You have to be careful when you're on MSNBC. They think that they're being edgy, but this has already all been done. You are absolutely allowed to uh, to do all sorts of here. Let me let me give you an example of this. OK, this is the example of the decay of our country. Uh, give me Lachelli. Lachelli is the last clip I had. OK, this is from now. I want to warn you, because if you've got kids in the car, you may not want them to hear what we're going to play. It's 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 a very disturbing report from KVIA in El Paso, Texas. This happened on the streets of El Paso, Texas, and I want you to hear. So I'm going to give you a 10 count, and then if your kids are still listening, that's on you. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let her rip. Seven Alert Center with breaking news and a warning. You may find the details of this story disturbing. A woman accused in Mexico of several murders and body dismemberments, even removing victims' hearts, is arrested in El Paso. And within the last 10 minutes, ABC7 obtained this arrest photo. She is Michelle Angelica Pineda, also known as La Cheli. She was wanted for five murders in Juarez. She's also suspected of being involved in several other killings. Invest- say she crossed illegally into the U.S. and was operating on behalf of the gang Artistas, Asesinos, or Assassin Artists. The FBI says Pineda was known for extreme brutality, dismembering bodies, removing hearts, and placing the hearts in front of Santa Muerte statues. Authorities say they found guns, machetes, and fentanyl, as well as other drugs at the motel. El Paso's FBI says several law enforcement agencies worked together to Respineva at an El Paso motel. Who brought her in? Who who brought her into the United States? Joe Biden and Mayorkas and Jill Biden and Kamala Harris, the the queen of the border, the border queen. Who else? Who else brought her in? Who else? Who else brought this person into El Paso uh, to, to dismember people and cut out their hearts and all sorts of things like that? Who else was responsible for that? Huh? Hmm? Fatso Ron Klein. I'm sorry, did I say Fatso? Heavy man, Ron Klain. Uh, these are the guys that broke the border. And these are the guys that opened the door to the border. And now you've got, like, psycho killers. Qu'est-ce que c'est? fa 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 I mean, what do we have going on here? This is terrible. Who let them in? Who brought them in with the migrant crime? I mean, I know Donald Trump coined the phrase. Who, br- who brought them in? Who brought, the- I, uh, who brought them in? I don't know. Somebody decided that they needed to have assassins coming into El Paso, Texas, which used to be a really nice place. I mean, I graduated high school there. It was a very nice town. And it's uh, unfortunate that you have reprobates in the federal government permitting this sorts of behavior. You know what? They were probably doing son of a gun. I forgot. Crump was right. Maybe they have defined the cutting out of hearts as no longer a crime. Maybe you're allowed to do that now. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Woodable Show. Let's jump out, take a call from uh, Robert, who's been patiently holding on. Robert, welcome to the program. 
Hey, Brett, you bring it every night, dog. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. It's true, sir. I'm out uh, driving in the in the great uh, Charlotte area. I'm, I'm up in the Lake Norman area. Nice. And it's 60 degrees and sunny. So Minneapolis and Buffalo and Green Bay, Wisconsin, eat your heart out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I, I have no animus towards them, of course, but, <laughs> but I'm happy to be here, uh, particularly in the winter. That is awesome. Um, I... Uh, you were talking about uh, people who might be worthy of having their their face on a coin. Yes, uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you saw it, but um, a couple of years ago during the tr- during the uh, Trump presidency, some joker put out a, a million dollar bill with with President Trump's face on it. If you don't, if you haven't seen it, I'll send it to you on X uh, later today. All right, but it's uh, he has a wry a wry smile on his face, and it's the kind of thing that'll just drive liberals nuts because it's <laughs> it, it's funny and it's 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 uh it just it just suits him and and uh so I, i'll send it to you yeah for sure is, the other quick point um i saw president trump last night in the town hall mm-hmm. and i saw him friday and i saw letitia james uh who did not letitia james of course did not come off as some impartial nope. some impartial uh, arbiter of justice. She was she was dripping with emotion and and vengeance and and hate for Trump. But then Trump uh, Friday and last night, I did not sense. And I watched closely as I try to always watch closely. He, I did not sense a even a drip of him of of any kind of uh, of uh, of bitterness or. I mean, most people would be would be curled up in a fetal ball if they had just been hit with a four hundred fifty million dollar judgment. And I did not sense any uh, animus or hate or yeah. bitterness from him. And I find that amazing. Well, I, I think part of this is this is a guy who has spent a lot of time in courtrooms for a variety of reasons, right? You think about unsuccessful things that took place in Atlantic City. You think about successful things that have taken place in other in other locations. Um, he is somebody who is very comfortable in his skin. He knows who he is. He knows what he does. He, he's he's well aware of this stuff. And the thing that the left never gets about him. And and they, they they take everything as a literal approach. They think everything is literal that is being said. They they cannot process for hyperbole, uh, uh, you know, big talk, whatever whatever it is you want to you want to see. Um, Trump has, and I've said this, and people have said to me that doesn't sound like it makes any sense. They Donald Trump has three different acts. Okay. He has he has a club act. He has a, uh, a, a a stage act and then he has an arena act. OK, so when you see him at those big rallies, that's his arena act. That's when he's like getting the crowd hyped and making jokes and nicknaming and all that kind of stuff. Then you have this the, the, the sort of stage act where he has like Tim Scott on the stage with him or somebody else on the stage with him. And they're talking about serious issues. And then you have the club act. And what the club act is, is the policy stuff. Right. So when he's in the White House, you see the the, 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 the reporters come in and they've got the cameras on him and he's sitting around the desk and he's got the table and he's got all that kind of stuff. And he's working to do stuff to get stuff done. 
he has an ability to modulate his behaviors. And, and people think he's, he's just nuts, he's crazy, he's this, he's that. He modulates his behaviors. He's able to do different sorts of things because he's, he's a celebrity person who had a lot of time in the spotlight. Look at Letitia James. Letitia James, uh, I, I looked her up. I, I wanted to find out more about who is this Letitia James. She's not married. I don't think she's ever been married. She doesn't have any children. This is her entire purpose in life is to go out like Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. And she would be Don Quixote. And that crazy judge would be Sancho Panza. And they go tilting at windmills. And, and they go trying to get stuff out of people that they don't have. And that's why we have to understand that while Trump has the ability to modulate between the different acts and the different venues, um, these people on the left, these angry people, uh, Jack Straw from Wichita there, who's trying to prosecute on the uh, on the on the documents case, um, uh, Fannie Willis. Look at these people. You tell me that those are happy, well-grounded people, Robert. They are not. They are miserable people who get up every day hoping that they can wreck somebody else's life. Uh, and 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 Trump, like he's married to Melania. He's got kids that like him. He he he's got a a, a perfectly fine son who's out of the spotlight. And you think about all that. And he's got a, he's got Mar-a-Lago, and he's got all this stuff going on. And you know what he could do tomorrow? He could say, "I'm going to liquidate everything, and I'm going to leave the country, and I'm going to go sit in Barbados or at a beach someplace, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to enjoy my life with all of my millions and millions and millions of dollars." And they can't stop him. And you want to know why that is? Because they're driven by hate, not a plan. And that's that's what it comes down to, Robert. That's this is why they're such clowns. Look at the people that come at him. Schiff, Goldman, I mean Jamie Raskin. I mean, look at this group of misfit weirdos that come out of the clown car and, and challenge him. I, I mean, I, and look, and I'm not, I, I'm not a fan of everything Trump does, but you have to recognize if we can recognize that Pat Mahomes is a great quarterback. People have to recognize that Trump is an effective leader. You may not like him, but he is effective. Well, he certainly has that Teflon coating to him where uh, the and, and you have to i mean to be able to to insult someone like him yeah you have to be very clever you you have to square him up you do which which is not easy to do so right. i uh and as you said brett yes he has flaws mm -hmm. he has flaws and despite his flaws mm -hmm. i think he did a good job yeah, uh, sure. And, he, and I he, think his record is hard to argue with. Who? Okay, let me ask you a question. What year did you graduate high school? <laughs> oh, Brett, oh, you're hurting me. I'm, I graduated in 1982. Okay, perfect. This, this is fine. No, this is great. This is perfect. You, you're, you're perfect for this, okay? Which means you're old enough to remember what Brian Bosworth was when he played for Oklahoma, right? Yes. Okay, so you remember that guy, and what was he? He's a maniac, he's on roids, he's destroying people. He's, you remember that? And you remember those those rivalries like Oklahoma playing against Miami and all? I mean, remember, like, all of that stuff that was going on, okay? That's all theater. That's They were playing, they were trying to win, but now you see Brian Bosworth today, and he's a successful guy. He shows up in those co college football commercials, you know, as the sheriff and all that sort of stuff. The fact of the matter is, 
there is acting and there is doing. Unfortunately, Trump's opponents don't know how to do. They just know how to act. Trump can do both. And that's what it comes down to. Joe Biden, he, he, he slips and falls going up the stairs. He falls upstairs. Like, I've never seen anybody do that. And I feel badly for him. But if he gets in a debate with this guy, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, I'm just telling you, it's going to be Thunderlips versus uh, Rocky. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a bad, it's going to be a bad scene. Well, I remember uh, Bo Jackson mm-hmm. uh, hitting Brian Bosworth, um, and and pushing him back about four yards. But yes, Bosworth was a great college player. Bo Jackson was a great, great athlete. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, by the way, Joe Biden could not do that one-hour town hall <laughs> because uh, Trump was taking questions from Laura Ingram, arguably right. a friendly person to him. That's but right. He was also also taking questions from the audience, and and he he was unfazed and he was comfortable and. Yep. Comfortable in his own skin, as you said. So, unfortunately, our president cannot handle that kind of forum. No, he can't. And if he was smart, he would do a forum, and he would bring Kamala Harris with him so that they would look like a package deal. But he's he's so f- fearful of of doing anything that doesn't show the light on him that he can't deal with it. Robert, great call, man. I appreciate you being out there, buddy. Thank you, sir. You got it. That's Robert. I'm Brett. News Talk 1110 WBT Brett Witterbull Show. Let's take this call from Jack. Hello, Jack. What's on hey, your mind, sir? What's going on? How you doing, buddy? I'm great, thanks. Hey, I, I just I disagree with your your take on our assessment of a Trump Biden uh, uh, debate. I think uh, in a debate, I think they'll get get Biden enough sleep and uh, enough medication where he'll come across as an elderly statesman for the country, mm-hmm. whereas Trump is going to come across as an angry old man. Uh, very possible. And very I, possible. Don't, I don't think the country wants to go back to the crap show that we saw every day when Trump was president. So I think Biden would do okay in a debate. Yeah, but will he do okay in the election when the, when you've got inflation on the on the ballot when you've got. 10 million illegals on the ballot. I mean, that, that, that's what it comes down to. The, the debates are interesting, um, but they are, they are self-contained moments in time. Um, how, how does it then play out when you get to Election Day? But, but here's what I think is going to happen. I think this matchup again, I think this matchup between these two will drive higher voter, will drive an extremely high voter turnout. And as we both know, most of us know that when the voter turnout is extremely high, Democrats tend to win. That's what happened in Georgia last time. With the voter with a high voter turnout, Democrats tend to win win elections when the voter turnout is high. Yeah, well, that that is true because you get into the cities, you turn out people coming out. But the other stuff that you had to keep in mind with Georgia and the other races that existed was uh, candidate quality was atrocious in 2022, and it was atrocious in in 2020. And so people are are are, are very comfortable, you know, pulling for a, a presidential vote, but then not voting for the people that are there. The fact of the matter is, when you look at, at what went on in Georgia, you have a bunch of pinko commie communists that are down in Georgia that pick people uh, like you got as a result of the of the Senate race. But look at who we, they we, and, and look we, at who they succeeded. They succeeded two just bottom of the rung candidates in 2020. And and let's be honest, uh, Herschel Walker may have been a great football player, but he was a horrible candidate in 2022 as well. They've got to they've got to improve their game substantially. 
You think they can do that? Because they yeah. loved Herschel Walker. Uh, Trump campaigned for him hard. He loved him. He supported him. Yeah, but it's still, it's you can love whoever you want to love, but the reality is you need someone who can do the job. In, in the abstract, I don't, I don't think that Herschel Walker was an effective uh, advocate for any particular policy. I think he was uh, just trying to be a famous person. L- look, at, look at somebody like Dr. Oz in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, you can say whatever you want about Dr. Oz, right, that he's, he's just a celebrity guy or whatever. He's he's a medical doctor, and and he as a consequence uh, was not able to pull it across the the finish line. You need to you need to pick better candidates uh, in, in the matchup um, because that's that's what people are going to make their decisions on. They, they, they don't want again, they don't want a clown yeah, you know running in the Senate. They they need somebody who's effective. I agree. I agree, I agree with you, but don't you believe if the turnout is high? Yes, of course. Yes, yes, point. yes. And, and and look, and there's a part of me that I'm conflicted because I can't wait. If, if Biden gets reelected, I can't wait for the impeachment. And then you'll call and you'll say that, that this stuff didn't really happen and you'll defend him to the end. I, I you know, it's 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 a, it's a double edged sword. Be careful what you wish for, man. Be careful what you wish for there, Jack, because the reality is you may get what you what you want and it may be the last thing you need. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right, on top. It's tricky. It's the tight. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. Coach Matt Doherty alongside Brett Witterbull. It's my favorite day of the week, Coach, because you're here in studio. You are too kind, uh, but I'm with you, man. I love my Wednesdays at the radio station. So here we are. What do, what do we have uh, left for the Tar Heels? Three, four games, something like that, uh, the regular season? Three, oh, four. gosh. Uh, I'd have to check, but I know... I know We're getting down to the th- end of There's it, right? probably... Uh, let me check. Let well, me that's check. okay. So I'm just going to go with like three games, four games. And the reason why I bring this up is because now we're starting to look towards the tournament. We're looking for, for all the great stuff that's happening uh, in, in this period of time. And the question I always, I always wonder about, um, because, you know, when we get campaign season coming around five games. Okay. So when we get campaign season coming around here with me, I start getting, I start getting, uh, I start getting itchy. I start getting ready. Yeah. I start feeling it. Yeah. When you have the, the, the tournament coming around, do you get that same, that Heck same yeah. vibe? Heck yeah. As a coach, Heck as a yeah. player, as all Heck that. How, how yes. does that start to come at you now? Uh, it, it starts with the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather starts to change, longer days. Um, when when we were in college, you know, girls started wearing shorts on campus. Wow. Short shorts? And then you started saying, well, it's time for the ACC tournament. Or did it go the other way around? <laughs> ACC tournament, then girls started wearing shorts <laughs> on campus. I, I, I forget. But anyway, I think the weather is the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a sense in the air. And then with each game getting closer to March Madness, mm-hmm. uh, the energy built, and you knew, like, okay, you know, the standings and, you know, do you want you going to be the number one seed in the ACC tournament? What are you positioned to be in the NCAA tournament? And then when March hit, 
There was nothing like the first day of the ACC tournament mm-hmm. as a player. You see excitement. It, it heightened your awareness. You know, like you, it peaked your your focus, mm-hmm. and you knew that you know it's it's the, this is what you play for. And if you lose, you're done. Mm-hmm. But you, if you win, you're one step closer to cutting down nets. And that run through March, and the anticipation of the the ACC tournament, the NCAA tournament, is just something that I, I still miss. But I still feel it with the weather mm-hmm. um, mainly. That that kind of is the indicator for me. So when you so when you're sitting there, you're starting to feel it, and you're looking at at the, the the regional tournaments and then you're looking at the big dance and all that sort of stuff that's happening uh, will you root for certain programs other than the tar heels oh yeah okay so you, oh, yeah. you have a, you have like oh some yeah guys i've got my favorites like, i got relationships mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. of course yeah and so you get a little fired and then, up, then, right? then 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 the next question the obvious question is do i root against others yes yes do yes you? of course i do I'm human. From way back in the day, like way back like in the got, day, sure. Like, that guy's a dirtbag. <laughs> he cheated to get this player. He can't coach. Oh my god! Yeah, of course he stole a recruit. Darn right. Okay. You know, I'm like an Italian. I don't forget. That, that's it. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's that's what you, you put the evil eye, right? Is that what it is? Of course. So it's so, sports. So, okay, this is great. So I'm going to play for you a coach that I don't know. How much you like him or not? I know where you're going. He, I think he did something though that I thought was a little, you know what? As the mobster guys would say, a little out of order, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So I want to play this. I, for I'm you. glad you and, are. And I know I exactly. You, we I, haven't even talked about this, but I know where you're and going. And I want you to break it down. We're going to be due for a break, but I want you to break it down a little bit. Sure. Let her rip. I think they're unathletic. I don't think they move well laterally. I don't think they're going to pick it up in the next week. Um, I think they're slow laterally. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. About five guys are slow laterally. Even even the Celtics when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. Second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. I think they're very respectful. They hear, but they don't listen. It's taken me a month to get them to throw bounce passes. Actually, two months to throw bounce passes. Just thinking of getting ready for Georgetown because Georgetown could definitely beat us. I'm not even thinking of the future at all. I'm just thinking of the next game and the next game and the next game, and that's it. Fin- uh, just try to get as many wins as you possibly can and represent St. John's in the best fashion you can. Who is that, Coach? Oh, it's Ripetino. Yeah. No, I got, I got a, some buddies, two coaches, two referees. Mm-hmm. And and then I got a couple other buddies, and and when that press conference broke, uh, the the text messages were flying, and and it's not good leadership. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, not good leadership. You you don't mention people by name. You don't throw people under the bus. You know you recruited these people, and you're coaching these people. It takes a, he said it takes a month to teach guys to how to throw a bounce pass. That's coaching. That's coaching. You, it's behaviors that you can control through coaching. And, and listen, you know, historically he's one of the best coaches ever to coach the game of basketball. But to talk about your players like that, and in that press conference, if you listen to the whole thing, he says I a lot. Yep. 
You know, and and I don't think that's good leadership. Um, and the, the person I compare him to is Dean Smith. And I know this. Wow. When we lost, Coach Smith took the blame. Mm-hmm. And when we won, he praised the players, especially the upperclassmen. Mm-hmm. He would never have done that. And I think when you do that, that's not motivating. You know, that's not motivating to a player. That's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And when you embarrass a player, um, that does not create the loyalty. It doesn't create followership. As a leader, right. you want to create followership. I don't even know if that's a word. No, but to, to explain that to yeah. you. Yeah, and, and, so, um, and, and so, you know, you can say, hey, like, listen, I was 8-20. and 20. I have the wor- I have the, Today, I have the worst record in Carolina basketball history. When I got the job, I, I said, my first year we're going to be good. My second year we're not. My third year we're going to rebuild. And I just made that statement to the athletic director mm-hmm. and, you know, to make sure he understood. But after every game, we lost 20 games, man, as the head coach at North Carolina. And I got in front of that microphone, the bank of microphones, for every press conference, and I never threw a player under the bus. Mm-hmm. I never threw the previous coaching staff who recruited the players under the bus. Mm-hmm. I said, like Bill Belichick says, when you win, say, don't say little, and when you lose, say less. Mm-hmm. Like, so I would say, hey, uh, disappointing. Um, you know, the team played well. They did this, this, and this. We've got to get better, um, and we'll work on these things in practice and hopefully perform better in our next game. And that was it. And then we asked questions, and you'd try to deflect. I would never mention a player by name mm-hmm. in a negative tone or even say, you know, we're not athletic enough. You say the other teams are really athletic. Right. Okay. Um, and I wouldn't say it's the most unenjoyable year of my life. Right. And Georgetown can kill us. I mean, he also said that. Like, that's not motivating. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, that wasn't a good look. Yeah. I don't think that's a good look. I think that's bad leadership and that, um, you know, he could justify it. Mm-hmm. Because I came back, he was asked, to, like, today – you know, would you retract? No, no. I, was, I wasn't throwing anybody in the bus and basically trying to motivate them. It's not a good tactic. Yeah. And especially in today's day. Like, 30 years ago? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good point. But not today. This lives on X. This not lives today. on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cow. Not today. Now, if I'm, if I'm a parent yeah. mm. and I got a kid who's a recruit, uh-uh, man. Yeah. No, no, I'm not sending him there. Why? You, if it doesn't go well, you're going to throw him under the bus? Yeah. No. Send him to Dan Hurley. You're not going to send him to. Well, you know, Danny, you know, I was interested because they lost last night. To Creighton. They, they were unanimous number one. <laughs> Announced <laughs> unanimous number one. The next day they lose to Creighton at Creighton. And Danny said something like, we didn't coach well, the players didn't play well. Okay, I could take that. Mm-hmm. I, I, could, I could take that. I mean, I think that's fair. I didn't hear the rest of his press conference. Yeah. Great stuff, Coach. Great analysis. Good song. News Talk 1110 WBT. Little Rise Up by Cypress Hill. How do you know all this stuff? I, Are you like, you, what's your IQ? It's got to be like high. No. You not. have a photographic memory like you? No. No. So what, play it up. T- turn it up a little bit, TJ. What? Is it clean? Who is this? This is uh, Cypress Hill. Song is called Rise Up. And you knew that before. I, have you seen these guys in concert? Oh, yeah. 
I saw him in San Diego in 2016 with Public Enemy and uh, Rage Against the Machine. I guess, what was the last one? Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. And it was an all-anti-Trump concert. It was, it was really fascinating to watch the, uh, the, 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 the goings-on there. Wow. All right. I want to play a clip for you, Coach, because I want to get your analysis on this as well. Because this is a character thing, okay? So, Larry Bird gave uh, an address at the All-Star Game, and I was watching uh, a lot of it. He gave a lot of credit to the ABA players yeah. out there who have sort of kind of been forgotten to some degree, uh, but he was geeking out on these ABA players. But he acknowledged something that I think is remarkable. And I'm just, I'm going to play it, and you can just comment on it, literate. If we never got a college scholarship, will we ever be able to play in the NBA? I don't think so. I think that scholarship that we got in college paved the way for us because we couldn't afford to go to college. You know, if I walked in and asked my dad for money to go to college, he ain't got no money. He'd probably slap me upside the head and go, go go get a job like I did. But I know everybody in here that had an opportunity to get to college and paved the way. And and I know for myself that once I got in the league, it was a blessing. It paved the way for my family and I to have a great life, uh, live a great life. I mean, it's just unbelievable of how things turned out for me. That's pretty cool. It's really cool. I, I worked for Larry Bird for four years and been in the room with him and in the draft rooms and, and uh, you know conference rooms. And I remember the first time I met him in, in the elevator, he had just come back um, into the front office. He was been away, and then he came back. And I remember getting on the elevator with him. It was the day of the draft. I forget what year. And I, he was like, he's big. Like, you don't realize. When you watch him on TV, you know, he's a big guy, but, like, you know, he's listed like 6'9". I think he's more like 6'10". And just big. Like, big shoulders, big hands. Just big. And um, he was always walking in the hall, stretching his back. Um, And I joked. I said, yeah, Chuck Taylor's on on concrete, huh? And he's like, yeah. You know. um, But he was a man of few words because he was so intense. Uh, and I think now that he's retired from front office, um, he's more relaxed mm-hmm. in the interviews that you have shown to share with me. And it's nice to see because he's really a funny guy and loves to bust chops, loves to bust chops. But right there, he's talking about the ABA guys. The ABA had a huge influence on me. I grew up in East Meadow, mm-hmm. which was five miles from the Nassau Coliseum Mm -hmm. where the ABA played. And that was Dr. J. That was Rick Barry. Rick Barry, Dr. J had a huge influence on me. Um, And I would go to as many games as I could and love those teams. I could name probably a starting five, and they won back-to-back world or ABA championships. And I had the ABA ball I'd play with at the park. Um, Red, white, and blue. Red, white, and blue, (laughs) man. And then Dr. J spoke at a camp that I attended, uh, the Gus Alfieri All-American camp. And here's the best dunker of all time, or one of them, with Vince Carter, Michael Jordan, Dominique, whomever else, Sean Kemp. And he spoke about on pivoting. And when I was a camper, this was in fourth grade, fifth grade, I would sit on the front row so when the – speaker would ask for demonstrators, Mm -hmm. I would be one of the first to run out. And 
he's he taught us pivoting. Now, pivoting is not the sexiest thing to do, but it's one of the most fundamental things you do as a basketball player. And he taught us these pivoting drills, front, front pivot, back pivot, right foot, left foot, elbows out, chin the ball. And I did those drills as a coach at Notre Dame, North Carolina, FAU, SMU. Um, so the most, you know, one of the most athletic players of all time understood the fundamentals of the game and taught us players those fundamentals. And then we would take that to the parks. And I remember Dr. J had these knee braces. And I convinced my mother that my knees were bothering me. I needed those knee braces. And I wore them in eighth grade, I think it was. Yeah, because I wanted to be like Dr. J. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is uh, – look, I mean, that, that – that's the connectivity here. I mean, of 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 all of this, right? I mean, the, b- being around these greats. I mean, like you think about who that's on par with. I mean, it's the, on par with the greatest of all time. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. J and I, uh, and t- uh, the Newsday came out with the all Long Island, like all time Long Island basketball team, and yeah. you know, Dr. J was on it, and I was on it. Um, that's so it cool. was pretty cool. And then I met him in the airport for the, you know. Uh, when, as an adult in Fort Lauderdale when I was coaching at FAU. And I went up to him and I said, uh, no, no, actually I met him at Michael Jordan's retirement. Wow. And, uh, you know, hey, doctor, doc, this Matt Doherty. And he said, I, I know who you are. I'm like, wow. And wow. I said, I'm from East Meadow. He says, yeah, I was born at the hospital in East Meadow. Yeah, he's from the next town over, Roosevelt. It's pretty cool. That is awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. That is awesome, coach. News Talk 11, 10, You know what? The doctor makes house calls. <laughs> yes, it That's what does. we used to say about him. Great stuff. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if they if they got to where they were supposed to be going yesterday. I don't know. 704-570-1110, News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. They love consumption. I am uh, Brett Witterbull alongside the coach, Matt Doherty. That crushing bottom just reverberating through your body. It wow. is uh, great to be with you today. Good good to be with. On Twitter. Uh, on Twitter. Where do they find you on Twitter, coach? Darty at Darty Matt. D-O-H-E-R-T-Y Matt. M-A-T-T. Outstanding. You know what? Uh, this man needs no introduction, but he needs a walk-up song. Let's bring him in, ladies and gentlemen. Jim. Hello, Jim. Hello, hello, Coach. How are you doing today, Good. Coach? Good, Jim. How are you, bud? I'm great. I'm doing just ducky. Are ducky? You, uh, you sound like yeah. you have a little edge. What's the matter, Jim? You seem like you have a little edgy here today. What's going on? No, not at all. I'm I'm happy to talk to the coach. Oh, happy to good. hear from him again. Good, good. How, how things on the left coast? Uh, they're good. It was raining. It rained pretty hard yesterday, so that was that's good for business, though. Yeah, it's good. Good for business. Uh, the the Uber business or the other business? Um, the Uber business is more fun 
the painting business is uh, just waiting on the next project to pop up. That's good. There you go. How do you drum up business, Jim? I mean, from a, you know, basically you're, um, I, we would classify a small business uh, entrepreneur. So how do you drum up business? Um, I don't really drum anymore. Thanks to the advent of the delivery and uh, ride share uh, business, I'm able to just bide my time and just wait for something to come. And I also have other uh, means of income now that uh, um, I'm retired. So, so you, you, you so collecting I, Social Security? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, so I get to take it, take it as it comes in. Gotcha. And I really don't have to... That's Sweat awesome. Like the old days. So, what's your Uber rating? Uh, it's ninety. No, no, it's not ninety, Jim. It's it's somewhere one to five. Don't give me this ninety. It's 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 a number. Uh, Four point nine one. Wow. Whoa, whoa, Jim, Jim, don't lie to me. That's what I expect. I'll have to fly out to what? San Diego and request you if I, I want. I, send us a snapshot of that. I want to see the four point nine one. Yes, yeah, 4.91. He sounds like a 4.91 really? guy. Yeah. yeah. What, what, Where? what, what, like when you're Uber, Uber driving and so, like you have to rate the, the, the rider, right? So when, I don't have to. Oh, but you. Yep, says right there, 4.91. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? Way, I just, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm asking the questions here, Jim. Today. Jim, Jim, Jim. I'm asking the questions here. I'm driving this Uber. Okay. So, Jim. When somebody slams the door and gets out of your car, yeah. what's the worst thing they could do that you would then take the time to give them a bad rating? What's the lowest rating you you gave somebody and why? I haven't. You don't rate it. You haven't rated anybody. I, no. Why? I don't. I don't rate. Uh, You're anti rater. I, I just don't. Right. I'm an anti radite. All right, no, so, I, just, I just let it go. So, um, so, so let me ask you a question. Uh, What's the worst thing somebody's done in your vehicle as a rider in Uber? Oh, uh, I, I just had a lady today. She wanted to vape, and she was playing Beyonce songs. <laughs> she kept playing them on her phone. By the time we got to where we were going, I asked her, are all your songs about breaking up? And, wow. and, and did she vape in your car? Yeah. I told her to roll down the window, but... Uh, yeah, she was pretty uh, Urbanian individual, so I just let it let it go. I had this. Um, Did you say Albanian? Uh, call- Did you say Albanian? Urbanian. Urbanian, I think is it. No, no, I had this called Caldean families. They had to go up north to a clinic, and they were they were tough to deal with because the kids were so rambunctious. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's it's nothing that was like malicious. So I just had to. You just got to suck it up. What kind I of, understand women who have power and money. What kind of car do you drive for Uber? We, we talked about this. Uh, I, I, I listen, don't, oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't, don't get salty with me. It's jumping ugly. We got some new guests. You know, we got some new listeners. They didn't hear, you know, what kind of Uber car you drove last Wednesday. All right, so don't get so edgy with me. I, I come, I'll come through this radio and just smack you around a little bit. Okay, Jim? Love it. They love the passion. That's, what? What? That's, what? what kind of car do you drive? Uber. I bought. I just bought a new Ford Maverick. Oh, that's right. Last Ford. Week. Ford Maverick. So it's a pickup truck. Coach doesn't remember. Yeah. So is it? Yeah, is, is it a cabin? Like four four doors. Obviously, yeah, they're not sitting doors, up hybrid. next to you. Okay. It's, uh, 
Right. Uh, it's it, it's uh, everybody that gets in, and most everybody uh, says uh, what a nice car it is. Yeah, uh, Fords good are good. Too. I got a Ford F one fifty. Yeah, I love it. Do you ever drive college girls around? <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, college <laughs> girls, guess who I Ubered today, Coach? Who? The assistant coach of the Air Force Academy women's basketball team. No way. Yeah, yeah, way. They're playing San Diego tonight. Uh, San Diego, San Diego State. They're playing San Diego State, right? San Diego State. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're playing here. They're both in the Mountain West. San Diego State. Yeah. Yeah, they're eight. They're eighth? They're eighth, and I guess what? In a conference of nine? Tenth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. now the men's team's yeah, not so doing well. Be, yeah. But the Mountain West has the Mountain West, I think, has five teams right now um, that uh, potentially could be in the NCAA tournament. The the basketball side of things, there, men's at least, is very strong. So, so um, yeah. So if she was she tall? Did you have to move up? Did you have to scoot up your your seat or or what? Like when someone's tall, is there enough yeah, room? It was her and her other coach. They were pretty tall, and they were down while jogging down in uh, at the beach. And uh, drove them back to the hotel. Yeah, they. Uh, it's a rough life. Um, yeah, they're getting ready for the game tonight. And um, yeah, yesterday, check it out. This girl that went to UNC, right? She went to Chapel Hill. Uh huh. Right. Mm-hmm. She told me about the mural of Coach Smith at Chapel Hill. Okay. Okay. What did she say? Did she? Did you ask her that? You did you tell her that you knew me. Yes, I did. No, you yeah, didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I could tell you didn't. You're lying. There was, there was a pause there. There was a major pause, and your tone dropped significantly, yeah, Jim. Yeah, little... you didn't tell. You didn't tell her you knew me. Yeah, circle. I'm disappointed, Jim. Circle. I thought we were tighter than that. I absolutely did, because we started talking right away about UNC and Chapel Hill, and uh, first thing I mentioned is the uh, coach Doherty, Coach Matt Doherty, comes in. The girls yesterday knew you. Today. The uh, uh, Air Force Academy uh, coach didn't know you. Whoa, whoa, you're, whoa. you're not known. No wonder they're eighth in the conference. Yeah, yeah. There you go. We That's need fun. to give them a yeah. tutorial. This is quite something. This is this is uh, many questions hey. have been answered. By the way, what's Navy rated? Do you know? Navy. Navy rated? Yeah, we're, we're, he wants to know where yeah, they're ranked. Yeah, the women's basketball team. What is the it? women's basketball? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. Wow. Wow. Very random. Man, that was... Yeah, No, 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 no. We can't. He can't. Did he kill it? Right, I think he Did killed he... it. I think we... if we have a killing, it has to be. It has to be because he, he didn't mention you to the Tar Heels girl. I mean, that's it. I did. I did. Before we went on, I was telling them about, about the show and everything. Well... Jim, I'm, I'm happy that they got where they were going. I'm happy they got where they were they going. They got where they were going. That's, That's how the mural of Coach Dean Smith came up. That's amazing. You don't. Yeah. Just, so. Well, this, listen, this has been productive, man. Well, I say we just shake hands and leave the best of friends. Yeah. Tip your friendly right. Uber. Yeah. I, I'll give you I, I'll give you a 4.2 on this one. I, wow. I'm going 4.9. All right. Nine. Well, I'll have four one more Carter next time you come in. Okay. All right, Jim. Be safe out there. <laughs> News Talk, 1110, 99.3 WBT, Brett Witterbull and the coach, Matt Doherty. What do you think about the uh, idea that the truckers want to deny food getting love shipped it. into New love York? It. Listen, my daughter lives there, but I love it. Like, you know, let's let's go. Like, okay. 
Send a uh, message. You 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 want to mess with somebody and make up some trumped up charges? No pun intended. And come up with some three hundred forty-five million dollar fine, like Judge Arthur Engerin. Yes. Where do you come up with that number? Um, and and so I think that with all that's going on to me, and I mentioned to you, to to you, you know, on uh, before the show that I'm, I've been listening to this book called Controller Guards, mm-hmm. and and it, you know whether you believe it or not, it's written by uh, Seamus. Bruner, if I pronounce his last name right, and it's about uh, all the stuff that goes on that uh, behind the scenes mm-hmm. that we don't see, uh, the control of the media, the control of farming, the control of, you know, uh, decisions made at the, at the highest levels, it, not only in our country, but in the world. Yes. He talks about the World Economic For- Forum and Klaus Schwab, and it's scary stuff. So when you read this book and if it's just 1% of it is true which I think there's a good percentage of that true it makes you realize that you know like the Russian hoax against mm-hmm. Trump mm-hmm. or how they we, we talked about this forever right Hunter Biden's laptop imagine if that thing the media let that play out before the election it, it, Biden probably wouldn't be the president or there's a good chance he wouldn't be the president. So now they're just trying to attack Trump because all these attorney generals and district attorneys are all Soros-supported. Mm-hmm. And they're out to just suppress this guy, and, and he has shown tremendous resilience. Listen, I, I wouldn't necessarily want to hang out with him. I think it'd be entertaining. Um, but, like... I'm not asking him to be our friend. I'm asking him to lead our country. And will he be divisive? Yeah, he could be divisive, but I don't know if he's any more divisive than Biden is. And Biden talked about when he took office that he wanted to unify our country, and he's done anything but that. That's exactly spot on. In fact, uh, Alina Haba was talking about this earlier today and said, if you look at Judge Engeron, he made a terrible decision. That was reversed, hurting landlords and tenants in the state of New York. He's known for that. He has said on the record that even if a jury says something and gets it wrong, he won't agree with it. And he can use his own powers as a judge to completely disregard what a jury says. That's who we're dealing with. That's Alina Haba saying that. Like this, this these are these are maniacs. Yep. Like these are you know what these people are? These are people who are under the guise of the law, but at their core, they're looters. They're looting. L- looting in what way? They're 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 trying to take over um, all of this um, uh, property, the three hundred fifty-five million dollars, right? Yeah. He, he, Deutsche Bank didn't. They didn't bring a lawsuit against. No. They could have sued them yeah. ways and down ways. Yeah. None, none of that happened. And so, what do we have? We're told, like this is really true. We are told <laughs> Trump is. Is, is a moron when it comes to real estate, but Joe Biden is a master of business. <laughs> right, right? What's the brand? What's the brand for the Bidens? Yeah. yeah the brand is uh, <laughs> CCCP. Yeah, right, there you go. There you, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, you look at this and you say, well, they're going to grab my stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
what Letitia James needs to pay close attention to and what Engeron needs to pay close attention to is what happens if he gets sworn in. Right. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. you, you don't think you can have a, a, a you don't think you could have an attorney general do an investigation into all the chicanery of these two people. That's right, and that and so that leads to okay, truckers saying you know what we're not delivering goods Correct. to New York City. Right. We'll show you. You right. want to play this mm-hmm. way? You want to play mm-hmm. dirty? Mm-hmm. We we can match that. Enjoy uh, turning your your uh, your briefs into food. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine that. And, and, and I, I, I think, I think. Listen, you know, you got to match yep. the response with the level of the exactly. punch. That's you got to right. punch back with equal mm-hmm. or a little more force. Absolutely, right on. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110-993 WVT, Brett Waterbull and the coach Matt Doherty, and we bring into the program... Bo Thompson, who joins us. Hello, Bo Thompson. Hey, guys. Happy Wednesday. Hey, Bo. Happy Wednesday to you as well. So, you know, between now and the next time Coach will be here, we will uh, be experiencing the uh, primary down in uh, South Carolina. What what, what do we think about this, especially given – uh, the, the the announcement by Nikki Haley saying that she she's not uh, she's not going to uh, jump out of this race. I I forecasted earlier this morning that uh, maybe she goes and, and runs a third party with the uh, with the no labels thing. And I know you talked to the uh, governor today, uh, Bo. So uh, w- what say you and the gov? Well, uh, we we opened up and asked him about that, and uh, he uh, first of all he said as a co-chair of the party, you can't. He can't speak officially on anything or did not want to today. So no official response to that. But he did bring up the idea that he believes that um, uh, there there may be some type of rule where you, you can't uh, run for one thing in the primary and then switch parties for a different part of the election. He said some oh. states have rules against that. So Interesting. Um, he's not sure that scenario could happen. But he, you know, when we talked to him about... Uh, you know, and we've asked him several times. I mean, he, he, we said who, not necessarily Haley specifically, but who's on the short list if you, if, if the no labels party were to, uh, launch an official candidate. And he, so far, uh, and I, I do believe if, if there was something to say, he'd say it on WBT first. Sure. But, uh, he has declined to, to, to go into specifics so far, and he, he stayed true to that today. So um, as, as you kind of look at the, the, the direction that we're, we're heading in here, uh, what, what, what do you think about uh, her continuing in this regard? Uh, is, is she just going to be somebody sort of like a, 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 Paul, a, a Paula Revere, you know, who's going to be a warning about Donald Trump? Or uh, what do we think is going to happen next? Well, and uh, we did get in depth on this today with with uh, Governor McCrory because he said, I mean, I think he he identifies uh, uh, with what she's going through at this stage of the game. Now, uh, she was on with us last week, and she has said 
all the way through that she doesn't take politics personally. And then then you've had this situation with uh, her husband where yep. President Trump you know, brought up her husband and said, where is he? And he, he in fact, of course, is deployed. Yeah. And yesterday during that speech, she, she broke down talking about him. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, obviously that particular uh, uh, subject has gotten to her in a way that uh, we haven't seen before. So, uh, and to that point, we were talking with the governor today about, uh, you know, why would she stay in? Because I said what a lot of us are thinking uh, look, it's a valiant effort. I mean, it's 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 uh, the fact that she's still fighting is is um, says a lot about her. But the numbers don't agree that she can. Uh, no matter how long she stays in this, the numbers are against her coming out on uh, on top. And and so, what? Why is she doing it? And and, and Pat was saying that uh, you know, look, you get, you get to some point where you uh, you want to stay in to defend your name, and you want to stay in to that's right to. Uh, uh, you know, defend your family's honor, so to speak. And so I don't know, you know, that, that was his sort of interpretation of what she's going through. And, you know, he's been there to a degree. I mean, he knows what it's like uh, to be in that situation when you're in a contest. And he brought up today that there were several times uh, during his years as a politician where, uh, you know, campaign advisors came to him and, and, and he, I think it was against Beverly Purdue when he was running for governor mm-hmm. what about ten years ago mm-hmm. uh, in a race that he did not win, where they said, "Hey, we've got a, a, a an ad that is going to go ultra ultra personal," and he he said he didn't want to do it, and so uh, he he pulled back from that. So from that standpoint, you know, I think Pat knows sort of what the terrain is at this point for Nikki Haley, at least to a degree. Um, and now the big question is is you know how long will she will she stay with this? I, don't, I only she knows how well she has to do right on Sunday and on Saturday in her home state to uh, to decide to stick around. And I think at this point, you know, a lot of people thought maybe that she was going to sort of bow out yesterday, and she didn't. So I don't know what the answer is now about how long she'll go. I mean, I think that's anybody's guess. Yeah, it's a good it's a it's a it's a good observation. It's a good question all the way uh, all the way around. And um, you, you know, when we look at this the entirety of, of, of the body politic that's happening here in the country. Uh, we're seeing a, a, a couple of different things that, that stand out. Obviously you've got these court cases uh, that are still kind of developing uh, as it relates to the Trump campaign. Uh, and you have continuing uh, on the other side, speculation about whether or not Biden is, is up for the job. We saw him kind of trip and almost fall uh, going up into the airplane on this, on the smaller ramp, um, and, and people just uh, seem to keep thinking, uh, Bo, that maybe he's going to bow out. Maybe he's going to walk out. I don't see it, but there are people who do see that they feel like he, he may be he may be getting out at some point. Well, and, and, and back to Nikki Haley, I mean, yep. the only thing I can go beyond as far as what she's doing this for, uh, if you just crunch the numbers, you know, maybe she's waiting for some sort of legal trip up from President uh-huh. Trump. I mean, uh-huh. just the sheer number of 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 proceedings that he's intertwined in, uh, perhaps she thinks that, uh, that, that at some point he's going to stub his toe and, and she's going to be the person who's going to be still standing. And maybe that, maybe that makes the path, um, easier for her. I, I mean, I, you know, you and I see, see the, the commentary and the, the legal, yes. um, uh, reviews of this. I mean, it's very possible that Trump could, could, 
you know, things could not go his way legally and he could still become president and still keep on running for president. So I don't know. Uh, that's the only other reason I can I can think of, of where Nikki Haley is on this. I mean, the Biden part of it, um, there are Democrats now that almost seem like it's a foregone conclusion uh, that that it's not a matter of, uh, of if, it's a matter of when that yes. he's going to bow out. But then the bigger question is, what's behind that? Kamala Harris and then what? I don't know. I, I, I really, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anybody's guess. So uh, uh, let's see. I'm envisioning uh, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, take it. <laughs> well, and then there's the, there's the you know, the I, I know you and I have talked about this, and I, I understand the arguments about why it wouldn't happen. But the name that keeps coming up, I saw another thing today about, you know, Vegas has the odds about who they think would replace right. Joe Biden. Right. And the, the odds makers, uh, the odds makers are firmly behind uh, uh, the former first lady, you know, Michelle Obama. So you'd have to open your books. You'd have to open your books. You'd have to you'd have to give up your <laughs> deals. Like there's a lot of deals like that you would have to. I mean, we're, you're talking about almost 10 years since they were out of office. Hey, people have deals. They got things that they want to keep secret. They got, I mean, that I, I think it's a real challenge. What do you think, so, Coach? What do you, what do you, what do you feel? They got deals. I mean, they're living a good life. <laughs> yeah. Why screw that up? I mean, right? Yeah. I could see Hillary coming in. A fr- a, fr- a, fr- <laughs> a, f- a good friend of mine said to me uh, yesterday, you know, you were on the roller coaster. You, you know, get off. You know, like it's okay to get off the roller coaster. Yeah. They've been on that roller coaster, and it was a. Heck of a ride for eight years. Yeah, and the only thing that would keep well, going back is you're is exactly per- right. I mean, she she she's she doesn't need it, but the the Democratic Party needs some sort of rock star that can can step in. I think that's why her name keeps coming up, not because you know she's necessarily saying I want to do this, but they're thinking, all right, who's somebody that we can plug in that it's going to excite people because they don't have that person uh, beyond some of the celebrity types. So, so let me let me ask you something here, Coach, really quick, because this all ties together. I mean, how, how long did people expect that Michael Jordan might come back into the NBA after leaving the NBA, playing baseball, and then leaving the NBA again? Like, people were still holding out hope at a period of time that he would come back in and play, right? You know, I don't think so. At that yeah. time, his dad died, yeah, and that's when he retired and decided to go play baseball. Mm-hmm. I think just it was a... a, a a way he could escape his he his dad loved baseball he loved baseball i think that was really his first love and uh if baseball and michael told me this if baseball hadn't gone on strike yeah he would he would have stuck with baseball wow how about that that's yeah how about that bo thompson <laughs> hey coach i was sorry to see about lefty drizel yeah the left-hander davidson davidson coach put davidson on the map uh, the left-hander. Uh, I tell you what, we miss Lefty. Uh, long live the left-hander. What a what a a great coach and a, and a big personality that really was great for college basketball. Bo, hello, Bo. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think about you when I hear about these names like Bobby Knight and Lefty Giselle and just some of these huge names that I know that you yeah. cross paths with. And you know, at David Davidson, obviously, but Maryland, and uh, yeah, you know, we're losing some of the some of the big ones. Yeah, he went on, and and uh, I think he's one of the only two coaches, Cliff Ellis, maybe being the other one that's won over 100 games of four different Division One schools. Wow. Uh, he also coached at Georgia State and uh, James Madison, and. Um, I'll tell you my uh, one of my favorite lefty stories. We're playing 
in Chapel Hill, we're my 82, number one team in the country. Um, we have the ball, I'd say six-point lead, four point minutes to go, two minutes to go, and they want a foul. We're holding the ball, and James Worthy is our worst foul shooter of the starters, but it's, you know, a good foul shooter. He's 67%, something like that, high 60s. And so Coach Smith always wanted one of us at the top of the key on foul shots, so if we missed, they would tip it out. And I'm at the top of the key, and James is getting ready to get the ball from the official. And in my left ear, I hear, hey, James, James. <laughs> and I look over, it's Lefty yelling at James Worthy, and he's got two hands wrapped around his neck, <laughs> giving him the choke sign. <laughs> and I look at Lefty, and I just like puzzled, like, you know, when a dog looks and shifts its head, like, what are you doing? And Lefty just looked at me and winked. And, and it was unbelievable. About four years ago, I was scouting for the Pacers, doing it, covering a game at uh, in Maryland, and he was sitting courtside. And before the game, I went up to him. I, 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 we laughed about that story. I mean, you miss guys like that. That's awesome. See, Brett, I know we're late, but I knew there was a story. That's gold, man. <laughs> that is gold right there. Hey, James. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good impression too. Thank you. That's awesome. All right, Bo Thompson, quick, what do you got coming up for tomorrow? We have, uh, uh, he wants to be a congressman again, was once a congressman. Mark Walker is uh, going to be with us at 735 tomorrow, running in D6. And, of course, uh, we have J.J. Jansen of the Carolina Panthers back in the studio nice. with David Shabbat at 905. So, big day coming up. Big day. Appreciate you being there with us today. Thanks so much, Bo. Appreciate you, man. Let's do it. Uh, coach. Funky Cold Medina, Coach. Oh, man, it brings back. Brings back the day, man. Brings back memories. 80s and 90s. Used to move to this song. Great song. Oh, yeah. 704-570-1110. Ken has been patiently holding on forever. Ken, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, sir? Hi, Brad. Hi, Coach. How you doing? Doing Good, Ken. Good to talk to you again. Yes, sir. Uh, Coach, I have a couple things about uh, you mentioned great leapers. Uh, I saw a couple you didn't mention in the old ABA uh, Connie Hawkins and Spencer Haywood. Well, Connie Hawkins, uh, I never saw Connie Hawkins play in the ABA. You're, you're older than me, Ken, obviously. You must yeah. be much older, like way old, Ken. Like, <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, Connie Hawkins, I did not get to see because he played for like the Pittsburgh Pipers or something like that. Right. And then and the Pittsburgh Condors. Okay. All right, and then uh, I saw him when he was with I think Phoenix for a minute, right? And uh, but that was like at the end of his career, right? Uh, and Spencer Haywood, I, you know, again he played probably when I saw him, he's with the Lakers at the end of his career. I would say Spencer was more long armed and and big. Uh, some of the leapers, like you know, we talked about uh, Darnell Hillman now, okay? Right. All right, you know what I'm talking about? Darnell worked for the Pacers when I was there. And, you know, back then they had these big froze, and Darnell Hillman was a freak athlete. I didn't mention David Thompson, who was maybe one of the best leapers of all time. Um, And then, obviously, you had guys like Spud Webb. Uh, who was a freaky jumper at five, whatever he was, five, seven. seven. Uh, And I played against Spud uh, when he was at NC State. So, you know, they were guys that could really just freaking jump, but maybe they weren't great basketball players. Uh, And so it's rare when you get the combination of a great jumper and and also a, a good or great basketball player. Dominique 
may have been. You know what's interesting about Dominique? Very rarely did you see him go off of one foot. And so Michael could go off of one foot, go off of two feet. Uh, but Dominique always liked to gather and go off of uh, two feet. But he was pogo stick jumper, like head on the rim. And <laughs> I remember I remember playing. We played Georgia in uh, Greensburg Coliseum. And I uh, got the ball in the lane. I thought I had a wide open shot from like five feet. And Dominique showed up and rejected that bad boy to half court. Yeah. Uh, one you played against, but he was not a great player. Uh, Murray Jarman from... Uh, oh, good call, Ken. Wow, if I if I could give you, like, bonus points, I'd give you bonus points. Murray Jarman, probably about 6'6", starting center at Clemson, white guy, and he could put his head on the rim. Like, right. freak, freak, freak athlete. Yes, sir, great call. Way to go. Times. Um, uh, another thing here... Um, you know, what a thrill it must be for you to be on Dean Smith's first championship team and be the fourth coach in my lifetime to coach the Tar Heels. And if I'm not mistaken, correct me, when you got the call, I read that you and your wife were in a Walmart in South Bend. Is that correct? Well, not necessarily. Um, I remember talking to Coach Smith about the job and and then Roy turned it down, and then uh, then things got hot and heavy, and I was uh, went to pray at you know I'm at Notre Dame right I figure I got a pretty direct route to God, and right. so I go to the grotto on campus and kneel down, light a candle, pray you know give me a sign, <laughs> give me a sign, and I think the next day I was walking in Walmart and I turned the corner and here's a guy coming at me wearing a UNC basketball sweatshirt. And I'm like, okay, that must be the sign. I'm in South Bend, <laughs> Indiana. Guy's wearing a Carolina shirt. Um, and and so, yeah, it was just my mind was mush, man. Like, where do you turn? Because I talk about this all the time. You need a peer, uh, a personal board of directors to help you make big decisions, career, financial, mm-hmm. relational um, decisions. And I always used... Coach Smith and and Roy Williams. Well, yeah. now they were biased. They had they had influence. They had an opinion. They were emotionally tied to the university, and so I didn't know where to go. And I was really felt like I was on my own with my wife and yeah. and God. Great stuff. Great stuff, Coach. Thank you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Some of the best, some of the best stuff is off the air. Is off the air. Well, because we have, you have like memories and you're, yeah, like you triggers. just had Scott Hamilton come in here and tell you about, yeah, things that he's covered. Yeah, about the be- his favorite coach of all time in any sport was 
I thought that's what he told me. That's what he said. That I was his mm-hmm. favorite. That, that that's what I recall him saying. Were you I sweating was, through the jacket? Was I, that I, I I I took my jacket off on the sidelines, like in the first few minutes. It just was too hot, mm-hmm. and and I moved around a lot, and I would give it to the manager, and then they he he I ne- I didn't know what happened to it. He said that they take it through the bowels to the locker room, which is fine, you know, obviously, and uh, I'm glad. But uh, you know, Jay Jay Wright who coached Villanova, a great coach, Hall of Fame coach, yeah. would keep his jacket on on purpose so he wouldn't be as animated on the sideline. Oh, you because know, you're more Like a straight jacket. Yeah, like a straight jacket. Wow. Yeah, which which going back, I you know, maybe you good at like maybe I should have done that. Let me ask you a question. And you don't have to answer it right now, but I'd like an answer before the end of the hour. And it's it's this. In any sport that you've watched, who is the greatest coach of all time? That you can think about. You don't have to answer right now. No, I'm writing down three names. Okay, and it could be it could be Olympic guys. It could be NFL. Whatever, whoever it is, I'm just curious to see who you would have on that list, that top three list. Like, let's say for that. Okay. Okay. Well, um, wow. You you could think about it. We got just three, huh? Five, whatever you want. Okay, okay, okay. I'll Uh, give you five. How about that? Okay, five. How about that? All right. All right. So just think about that. Let's take a call from Paul, who's been patiently holding on. Holly? Hey, Paul, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm good. Uh, I have been waiting a while, but i got to tell you and your listeners why it was worth waiting for. Yes, sir. Uh, You guys, uh, you got great stories. you got great facts, things I don't know about, so I learned that. I love the Murray Jarman reference, by the way, as a Clemson boy. But what you guys do is, is you'll, you'll take that, you'll take your experiences, you'll take logical processes, and then you'll try and say, here's the conclusion I draw, which I'm guessing, Coach, is why Brett's asking you, you know, what's your favorite all-time coach, because you're going to go through a process, you've established credibility, and your answer matters. And I just, I love that about all, uh, Bo was on, he did it with the Michelle Obama question, Vince does it, you, you all do a fantastic job. And uh, that's what you know. That's why I listen. And that's very nice. That's very nice. Thank you. I I I I equate Brett to like Magic Johnson. Well, he almost spit up his uh, drink. Uh, that's a Brett is a is a Laker. Okay, how about Dennis Johnson? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> now you're speaking. Uh, about uh, you know Bob Cousy. Uh, Brett before my time. How about Grayson Marshall? Gra- Wow, you know how to kill a show, Paul. Well, how about oh, that? He might kill. He might shot, kill. Huh? I think Paul just killed the show. No, Again. all time he was the uh, assist leader that season for Clemson. But I did digress. I oh, okay. So, oh. so, but, but what Brett does, um, being you know host, and this is his show, he could do whatever he wants. But he is really good at setting up uh, the the guests, setting up you know me, setting up Bo. And very unselfish, and passes the ball around and distributes it, and gives everyone credit and an opportunity to shoot. And that's that's he's the point guard. That, that is so true. He does that great with Jim and Ken earlier, and and I've heard a caller Mary. Mm-hmm. But uh, everything I said is true and sincere, and that's why I was on hold. So I want to thank you. Yes, throw sir. one at you guys. Okay, Paul. Both have a, you've got some credibility with me, which uh, you know that's not easy, but oh. you got it. So, as you probably know, both of you will know, the Supreme Court is trying to decide, is, uh, is it legal for some states to keep the former president off the ballot, right? So, right. and the, the thinking seems to be that the Supreme Court is going to say, no, you cannot bar the president 
from the former president from this election, and they'll explain their reasoning or whatnot. So that, that's, you know, that's coming soon. My question I'd like to hear you guys take apart is, let's say they conclude that, no, you cannot hold this man off the ballot for the reasons you've cited. Are those DAs or whatever the proper legal title in those states, is that election interference? And why or why not? So what do you guys, I'll chime in if you want me to, but I'm very curious how you take Okay, okay, so, so the question is, are they engaged in election interference by pushing, yes. by pushing, trying to push Trump off the ballot, right? Yes. Why or why not? Uh, okay. I, I, I'll give you an answer. Well, listen, this is where I know my role, and I'm going to p- pass the rock to, uh, I'm going to play Magic Johnson and pass the rock to, uh, to James Worthy and let, let him finish. Go ahead, Brett. All right. I know my role. Okay, so we have to understand that every election that exists at, at the federal level, when you have a presidential election, it's, it's not a national election. It is every state has their ability to set rules to do those sorts of things. And so as a consequence... You would think that the argument would be, yes, a state can bar somebody if they want to try to to, to bar them, except for what we got from uh, the, the Supreme Court justice argument from Katenji Jackson, who said, we do not see a pathway, and she implied this, we do not see a pathway where you will use the 14th Amendment, which is supposed to enfranchise voters, to defranchise voters, and okay. and she is a you know she is a, a that is that is her bread and butter she is a a big time expert on the 14th amendment which is what gave people the right to vote and all that sort of stuff in the aftermath of of the civil war so what do we have in front of us we have an attempt by some states to disenfranchise voters by bouncing trump off the ballot when in reality they could just not vote for Trump on the ballot. I mean, the, the, the alternative. So, I yes, I would call, I would say it looks a lot like election interference to me, but since the states get to go and try to play these games, we'll have to get a ruling from the Supreme Court. But I, to me, it would look like election interference, but I don't think there's any pathway to punish these officials who tried to, to try to do it that way. And for the consequence, let's say the Supreme Court rules the way we think they're leaning, mm-hmm. that they're going to say no, mm-hmm. president, former president needs to be on the ballot. Yes. Maybe unless you prove he's an insurrectionist. That's, right. Me, that's, and he was never charged with proven. it. Right. He was never charged. So if it goes that way, mm-hmm. I would like to hear the argument from, let's call it the other side, but it's not really the other side. I want to hear their critical thinking. Why is that not? election interference because what you're doing either you're tainting the candidate by even bringing it up sure or you've actually prevented people from from voting for him and i'm not necessarily pro-trump or anything yeah and i am interested coach you you, you heard you i think you know as much about this issue probably as most of us what what's the what's the counter argument that no that's not uh, somehow whatever trump did is election interference allegedly but this is not yeah, I think, I th- I th- no, I think that's a really interesting perspective that uh, I haven't thought of. I, I just look at it this way. I think the more they try to suppress Trump, mm-hmm. the more popular he gets. That's right. And, I, and I think I, that's probably true as well. And I think that that's a mistake. Um, yeah, because yeah. you're, you're like, I used to, you, I go back to recruiting. I go back to a lot of things that are very fundamental. And when a coach would say like, well, why do you want to go to North Carolina? 
You know, they, they, there's too many good players there. You're not going to play, or they don't. You know, I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. you're mm-hmm. talking so much about them. You're afraid of them. There must be something good there. That's and, and so if they weren't threatened, then you'd say, oh, but the, the more they talk about them, the more that you realize, you know what? They're really afraid that he can win this. And the more they, they, they suppress him, again, yeah. uh, the more popular he becomes. If, if you want to know what election suppression, if you want to know what election disenfranchisement looks like, the case that I would put up is the letter by the intelligence community um, saying that Hunter Biden's laptop was not real. And that would be election interference because that cost Trump the election. That's right. I, I, I agree. And that's the Controller Gart book I talked about yeah. earlier. That, all that yeah. stuff's in there. Read that book yeah. by Seamus Bruner. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. I appreciate you being out there, Paul. Thank you so very much for calling in and very kind words. Yeah. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Coach, real quick, where do people go for coaching? Uh, DartyCoaching.com. DartyCoaching.com. Now let's talk about some coaches. All Give right. me your five. Top five, and I've got the bonus, all right? Mm-hmm. All right. I wrote down Phil Jackson, Tom Landry, Don Shula, John Wooden, Coach K, and then I've got to put Dean Smith just because, you know, maybe he didn't win as many championships as John Wooden or Coach K, but I don't think anybody did it better. Mm-hmm. What's the common line between all of those guys? <sighs> wow. I think they were all transformational coaches. Great. What do I mean by that? Uh, Phil Jackson did a piece on transformational versus transactional. And coaches that are transactional use the players to uh, to win. Mm-hmm. Transformational is you, you change the player. You, you bring a team together. Mm-hmm. It takes more time, but it's all about developing a good culture. Uh, and I think that they all had a demeanor. Coach K was, you know, a little aggressive. Right. Um, everyone else had this calm demeanor mm-hmm. about them, mm-hmm. and I think they really were truly teachers um, and transformational leaders. Outstanding. Great stuff, Coach. I appreciate you this week, man. Thank you so Love much. Love being on. Thank Looking you. Looking forward to next week. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And all relax, it's almost over. Come on, get with it, Winterbull. I would tell you it's outrageous, Phil. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, yeah! Not ever. No way. The following takes place between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. It is great to be with you here today as we embark on the fourth hour, thus the four, the four, the four, 704-570-1110. And there's uh, no place I'd rather be than with you right now. And uh, we're taking your phone calls throughout this, uh, this, this upcoming hour. I want to start with a philosophical position, and I want to see what you think about this, uh, because I, I believe... 
that America is at a crossroads. I do not believe that America is on uh, is, is on any kind of a free fall at this stage of the game. I think everything that we are suffering with in this country today, we can fix. We just have to have the wherewithal to repair the damage that has been done. And I, I, I genuinely believe that. I tend to be an optimistic person when it comes to crises. I'm not the panicky loudmouth on the airplane screaming, we're all going to die. Uh, I am somebody who believes that we can certainly pull this dive uh, pull us out of this dive and, and to continue. But here is the question that I want to uh, ask your opinion on. Uh, and we can talk about this throughout this next hour. It is this. No doubt you are hearing from politicians at every possible level about the promises they are making, what it is they're going to do for you. If you elect me, I'm going to cut your taxes. I'm going to put people in jail. I'm going to do this, that, or the other thing. The question for you is this. How do the politicians know what you want? How do they know what you want? What is a priority for you? Unless they're asking questions of the audience. Now, I was lucky enough in the last few weeks to be able to be a, a, a person uh, that was part of the D8 debate. And I'm only using I'm not I'm not I'm not pointing out anybody who was on that stage specifically. But let me just tell you something. I did not see a single politician on that stage ask the question that needed to be asked. And look, every one of them is still in the race, and they certainly have the opportunity to do this at forums and interviews and gatherings and things like that. The question I did not hear from these politicians, and I'm again, I'm, I'm using them as an example, but this is true across the board. What can I do for you? What can we do for you? See, every time an election comes around, you get the same pitch from politicians. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, an independent, declined to state, whatever you are. They're going to give you the one size that fits all. Cutting your taxes. Raising the taxes on those people. Forgiving your student loan debt. Free stuff for these folks. All of that stuff is a prescribed measure. But they don't ask you what you want. Have you had a politician ask you what you want? Perhaps you're a politician and you're thinking, Brett, that's a good idea. I should ask my constituents what they want. You go to a restaurant. Imagine this, right? We go to... Uh, I. I wouldn't go into Waffle House because I don't eat breakfast for dinner. But let's say you're going to a restaurant for dinner. And you walk into the restaurant and say, yes, uh, how many? Uh, yeah, two, two of us, please. Yes, thank you very much. And then what happens is the, the waiter comes out or the waitress comes out and says, here's some chicken fried steak. You're going to love this chicken fried steak. Have the chicken fried steak. And here's some apple cobbler. 
I don't think they do that at the at the at the at the at the, at the place. But nevertheless, I'm going to prescribe for you what you want to eat. I know what you want. Everybody loves fried chicken. Everybody loves uh, waffles. Everybody loves da 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 da. So I'm just going to give you right here, and you're welcome. You're welcome very much. Nobody does that. Go into a go into Woody's Auto Service. My guys at Woody's, they don't just start working on your car. Like they don't go. Ah, I think it's going to need a windshield and uh, and a windshield wiper. No. What can we do for you? What seems to be the issue? What seems to be the problem? How can I help you make a better day for all of us? I mean, all of that sort of stuff. It's incredible. We are told constantly that we need better customer service. Um, when are we going to get it from the politicians? When are we going to get customer service from the politicians? They're the only people in the entire world who have the ability to take your money and spend it in idiotic ways. Nobody else has that power. Policeman, he could shake you down, I guess, but he, he can't, like, you know, take your tax refund and spend it in, in, in a crazy way. No, you, you can't do that. That's a public servant. Fireman, police officer, school teacher, what have you. The politicians, the professional political class, knows so much more than you know broadly speaking, and they will then give you what they believe you need to have. And on top of that, on top of that, if you say you don't want it, they'll call you names. You're an extremist. You're a radical. You're an insurrectionist. How dare you refuse my tax increase? How dare you refuse uh, the regulations that we're doing over at the school? How dare you question us uh, about drag queen story time? How dare you think that the border should be closed? Politics is incredible. Because just like the media, and I learned this early on with Rush, just like the media... Politicians and the media, the customer is always wrong. We have to flip the script, take our country back. Are you with me? News Talk 1110 993 WBT. It is the Brett Wittermill Show, 704-570-1110. Uh, look, we have got an overly emotional electorate in front of us I, I think it's fair enough to say that there there are there are different points of view that exist out there but what we have happening right now what we have happening right now is we have an overly emotional group of people that um refuse to accept what's really happening in the world they they think that it's still um the the, the heyday years of uh, the west wing you know, with Martin Sheen and all that sort of stuff, right? Oh, it's, uh, everything is so great. We, we love everything so much. It's just a, the world has become governed by a group of people that are dangerous. There are people who are governing in this world today who are dangerous. And you know who they are. The Iranian government. Putin. Uh, these are people that are dangerous characters. 
And you had a president who decided that he was going to surrender in Afghanistan on 9-11. That was Joe Biden's entire impetus for pulling out the way he pulled out um, on that horrible day way back in 2021. And so now I want to share this with you. And, you know, you can you can call and you can comment about this. Ryan Saavedra has this piece up over at the Daily Wire. And this is the thing that scares me to my core. And unfortunately, I don't know that we have the wherewithal as a country to um, to, to overcome this before something bad happens. We have our borders are wide open. Right. We understand that's the case. Uh, we understand that we have who knows who walking around the United States of America now doing their thing. But this headline is chilling. Al Qaeda rapidly growing in Afghanistan after disastrous Biden withdrawal. See, if you wanted to impeach Joe Biden over something, this is what I'd impeach him over. I'd impeach him over what he did in Afghanistan. The Islamic terrorist group Al Qaeda is reportedly rapidly growing in size inside of Afghanistan just a couple of years after President Joe Biden's disastrous withdrawal from the country. A report from the United Nations Security Council at the end of last month said that despite the Taliban's claims, the relationship between the Taliban and Al Qaeda remains close and the latter maintains a holding pattern in Afghanistan under the Taliban patronage. The report said that the Taliban is trying to hide its relationship with Al Qaeda, even though many inside the Taliban share the exact same ideology. The report claimed that the group was not strong enough yet to start carrying out terrorist attacks overseas, but noted that the terrorist group had established up to eight new training camps in Afghanistan, including four in Ghazni, Lakhman, Parwan, uh, Ruzgan uh, provinces, and a new base to stockpile weaponry in the Panjshir Valley. The Panjshir Valley was a very important location. That was the location where uh, we watched the Afghan forces try to muster their last stand, and they were defeated by Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda has also established five madrasas, a school for Islamic indoctrination. They've got them in Lagman, Kunar, Nangahar, Nuristan, and Parwan provinces. So they are strapping back up. There was a saying that was used quite frequently, and I know veterans of this war will know what I'm talking about. There was a, a, a phrase that was used quite often uh, when dealing with the Taliban and with dealing with the uh, uh, Afghan forces who were working with the Taliban and al-Qaeda. And it was this. We own the clocks, but al-Qaeda has the time see we have the modernity we have the modernity of the clocks and we can look at the clocks and we can look at the calendars al-qaeda and the taliban maintain the uh, the time the group maintains safe houses to facilitate the movement between afghanistan and the islamic republic of iran in the provinces of Herat, Farah, and Helmand, 
with additional safe houses located in Kabul. A separate report by the SIGAR, that was the um, Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, also released at the end of last month, said that it was unclear whether the Taliban could or was willing to stop Islamic terrorist groups inside the country from being able to conduct operations beyond its borders. Well, you can give me an answer on that. Do you think al-Qaeda would like to carry out an attack beyond their borders? I think the answer to that is pretty clearly yes. And what I think that is particularly galling about this scenario, as Joe Biden loves to talk about his now deceased son, Bo, where he has him dying in a variety of different locations and only wanted to talk about his son, Bo, who died at Walter Reed uh, as a result of brain cancer. Um, what is particularly galling for me is to take a look at the young people who are now going into the armed forces, uh, who are going into the military colleges, uh, who are getting educated right now. And these young men and women were, were not born when 9-11 happened. But their fathers and their grandfathers and their uncles and their great uncles and their mothers and their grandmothers went and fought in that hellscape so that it would never happen again. I remember the smell that day in New York City. I remember it distinctly. It had a smell to it. I remember seeing and hearing what was the aftermath of those attacks. My wife was down at ground zero. I mean, I understand what was happening. And we made, we made a collective promise that we would never allow this to happen again. And a doddering, incompetent administration beholden to the worst elements in human history decided otherwise. Which city is next to die when it comes to dealing with Al-Qaeda? Oh, but Bo. Oh, but Bo. Oh, but Bo. It's all this guy's good for. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Brett Witterbull Show. Good to be with you. 704-570-1110. Lynn, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, Lynn? 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 Mm, I don't, I, Lynn's not there. Call back, Lynn, if you uh, would like to uh, comment. Texas is celebrating taking an island back from a cartel. Oh, boy. Texas celebrates taking an island back from a cartel after a military option operation. You're not supposed to do that. Wait, I thought that was all just the federal government's job. 
What do you mean you're fighting off uh, the cartel people? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. Once upon a time, I mean, I, I grew up in West Texas, which is a totally different world. But, you know, once upon a time, there was a reason why you had this group called, I know you may not be familiar with, the Texas Rangers, not the baseball team. The Texas Rangers were, were, were bad dudes. They were bad dudes who had jurisdiction throughout the entire state of Texas, or really the territory of Texas, and they could, they could handle things the way they were supposed to handle things. So if, if you had an incursion coming across the border or you had uh, a, a group of people who decided they wanted to massacre uh, settlers or whatever it would be, you would dispatch the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers have jurisdiction over the entire state of Texas, uh, and, and they, could, they can go out there and, and, and handle business. Well, Texas officials are celebrating the seizure of an island near the U.S.-Mexico border described as a safe haven for cartel drugs and weapons. Now, this is really fascinating. Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced on Friday that work had begun on an 80-acre military facility to provide some 1,800 soldiers to better defend the southern border from illegal migrants, extending along the Rio Grande and six miles south to Shelby Park. The plan was mocked on Tuesday by the Mexican president, uh, AMLO, his, his real name is Andres Manuel Lope, uh, Lopez Obrador, who called it politicking and not a serious response to a record level of illegal immigration. Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who represents Texas's 23rd congressional district, spanning across more of the United States-Mexico border than any other district, told Newsweek last week that Mexican cartels have helped the Biden administration bring down the numbers of illegal immigrants coming into the United States. Texas Land Commissioner Don Buckingham said Wednesday on Fox's Business Network's Mornings with Maria Bartiromo that she recently returned from Fronton Island, described as being on the most violent part of the border. Texas Land Commissioner uh, says that they have been effective on this violent part of the border. The island is situated across a stretch of land, a, a, a stretch of land in the Rio Grande uh, in Texas, Star County, was secured by the Texas National Guard and the Department of Public Safety last November. It was a site of automatic gunfire and continuous violence. Buckingham recently touted the efforts of statewide officials to maintain safety in an area described as a densely wooded 170-acre refuge that provided concealment for transnational criminal activity. Okay, so all of this, we, we kind of understand what we're seeing here, right? So why is, why is Texas, why is New Mexico, why is Arizona, why is California, why, why are these states feeling like they have to be shy about enforcing the law? Think about land that you might own. Think about property you might own. You, you might own a, a house on a, on, on a tract uh, of, of, of land. And uh, you wake up in the morning and somebody has gotten onto your porch with a firearm and is telling you that uh, they have a right to stay on your porch. How are you going to handle that? Well, you might handle it yourself, I guess. You might handle it by calling the police 
and having them removed and you'd say that they're trespassing or whatever it is. But what's the fix there? The fix is to secure your property. The fix is to secure your property so that somebody can't necessarily come onto your property and claim your property, um, whether they're from down the block or around the globe. I mean, you, you have a right to protect your property. You have a right to protect your things. You have a right to do all that sort of stuff. You don't have to ask permission of Joe Biden or Hunter Biden, the painter blower. You, you, don't, have to, you don't have to ask permission from Mayorkas. You don't have to ask permission from any of these people. Murky Garland, the murkiest of Murky Garland. You don't have to ask him for permission. It's your property. Why, why should that not be the exact same case if you happen to be along the border with Mexico? Why should that not be the case? Of course you should be allowed to protect your property. How are you going to protect your property? I don't know. What do you need to protect your property? What are some of the things that you would like to have if you wanted to protect your property? I would imagine uh, firearms would probably be a helpful thing, especially if you've got people with firearms coming onto your property. That might be something that's helpful. What else might be helpful? Mm, A cannon? Maybe a cannon might be helpful. You could get a cannon. You could make a cannon. You could do something like, I mean, uh, if it's on your property and they're not supposed to be on your property, then how are you supposed to handle the situation, especially when you've got cartels, right? Because the cartels, they don't respect your private property. The cartels don't respect what it is that you're, 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 you're doing. They're not helping you pay your mortgage bills. They're not helping you with your livestock that's getting, you know, removed and, 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 and scattered hither, dither, and yon. See, I, I don't think we have to play by the Marcus of Queensberry rules. See, I don't think we have to do that. And, and I think the one thing that is more interesting than anything else in the whole world is how quickly your commander-in-chief has backed down from tangling with, uh, with Greg Abbott. Because Greg Abbott is responsible for hundreds of thousands of these people being relocated into places like New York, Massachusetts, Washington, D.C., Chicago, etc. And the one thing I can I just can't wrap my brain around. Every one of these states has National Guard. You could easily load up the National Guard trucks with the migrants that have come across the border and deliver them any place you want. You're simply helping them get to where they need to go. And clearly where they need to be is not down on the frontier where they need to be is in the cities that can take care of them like new york and boston and philly and chicago and los angeles and san francisco and seattle and minneapolis all the bluest of the blue cities new orleans baltimore memphis These are all the blue cities that are welcoming cities. That's where you could relocate them. It's very dangerous down on the border, much safer in the interior in these blue cities. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Winterbull Show. Let's talk to uh, Steve from New Jersey. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. I dispute what a previous caller said about there being crap every day when Trump was president. That was the Democrat resistance, so-called, and their allies in the media that blew every molehill into a mountain. 
Uh, I, I look. I think that that's. I think there's something to what you just said there, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. I, I think that's uh, that's an important point. Thank you, thank you for calling in on the program today, Steve. I appreciate that. Let's go to Lynn next. Lynn, welcome to the show. Hi, Brett. I, I wanted to just talk about what you wanted us to um, speak to, and that is um, about those who are in government right now. And what uh, I believe has happened is we don't really have Republican and Democrat anymore. What we have are constitutionalists and convolutionists. Ah, very good. Convoluted thinking of who is in charge of the country. They represent us. We elect them. And yet some of them stay in for 50 years and never move from the Senate, mm-hmm. like Biden. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then that doesn't make for a healthy atmosphere, because each generation should contribute to our country. And I think about who my favorite presidents are. We've had um, 46 now, and we're about to elect this year number 47. And my Top five, don't go beyond Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I would say my top five are, first of all, the two that celebrate their birthday yep. in February. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. and George Washington. Yeah, Washington did not accept that he should be a leader such as they had known mm-hmm. in their home country, such as a king. Yes. He said... We should have a government where someone has checks and balances on him, does not have complete control. Right. And that was a magnificent idea of his. He was also the first president, because he was first, Mm -hmm. to say no one should really serve more than two terms. Yes. We should all have a chance to voice our opinion and our leadership and no one should serve more than eight years that's a great point that's it's a great point lynn i appreciate that call i mean you're you're spot on with that but then you have a person like joe biden who says uh i am going to cancel more student loan debt and he came out and he gave another couple of billion dollars away today to uh, forgive the student loans of 153,000 borrowers um that's your money. That's your money bailing out, bailing out people. People should care about that. It's why it's why I'm I'm partial to Calvin Coolidge. Uh, David, welcome to the program. Hey, Brett. A um, uh, couple of couple of things. First off, um, you know all these sanctuary cities. Uh, it was all in vogue until now. There's someone that uh, wants to come to your sanctuary city. That's right. Uh, yeah, oh, everybody wanted to be sanctuary city. Charlotte was one of them. But um, you know, now that they're they're all coming, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, they're backtracking. <laughs> um, the other thing is everything that's happening at the border was prophesied in 1984 when Colonel Andrew Tanner told Jed Eckert that filtrators came up illegal through Mexico. 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, in the movie Red Dawn. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, and and that's why people are always asking the question: Should you join Jed? Right? I mean, that's 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 the question that gets asked yeah. all the time. Yeah, absolutely, um, Brett. Uh, the last thing I want to say is uh, you and Pete Callender have uh, fulfilled the spot that has been left empty in a lot of people's hearts uh, by by continuing um, Rush's legacy. Thank you. You're very kind to say that. Um, I really appreciate that, David, and I know Pete would as, as well. And um, Rush was a one-of-a-kind uh, a one of one and was an incredible talent. And I'm just honored to be a part of this whole conversation that gets to happen every day. Thanks to Isaac and TJ and, of course, Pam and uh, my good friend, Scott Hamilton. We'll do it again tomorrow starting at 3. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Stand by for Breaking with Brett Jensen on News Talk 1110-993 WBT.